Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was that without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good. And then you go on down in verse 10, he's, he's, he's created the, the earth, and he said, it says here that God saw that it was good. In verse 12, God created the grass and the seeds and all that, all the, all of the, the, you know, the leafy stuff. And he said, it says, God saw that it was good in verse 18. And God saw that it was good in verse 21. And God saw that it was good in verse 25. And God saw that it was good in verse 31. And God saw that it was good. Listen, God knew it was good before he ever saw it. But what he was doing was he was creating something for you and me to be able to see. He wanted us to know that we could see his goodness just by looking around. Everything that he put here for us to enjoy, the place that he put us in to live in, the things that he's furnished us with, all the trees and the grass and the birds and and the and the mountains, and the oceans, and the rivers, and the lakes. He wanted us to see how good it was. It's unfortunate that so many people have taken the creation and have begun to worship the creation instead of the creator. You know, he put it here for us to see a demonstration of how good he wanted our lives to be. How, how pleasant he wanted it to be. How just magnificent he wanted it to be. Have him of you ever seen the Rockies? I mean, they're incredible. I mean, you look at that and go, oh my goodness. For a little flatlander girl like me, that's, that's some big hill. But I mean, you, and you look around at all the different things you know, that God has done. I mean, it's no accident there's a Grand Canyon. There's no accident there's a Mount Everest. It's no accident that there are blue whales in the ocean. There's no, it's no accident there are peacocks that used to live behind me and drive me crazy. <laughs> there are loud little boogers. It's no accident that he created all this beauty. He wanted us to know and to see, to experience to marvel at how good he wanted our lives to be. And in doing the creation, what he did was he he did three things in, in, in making all this for us. He showed his heart, number one. He showed his heart, how what he wanted for us. The heart of our Father God was that he wanted all this goodness for us. He also wanted to show us his intent or his motive. He wants us to just enjoy life and life with him. And then he showed us his ability. Can you imagine that there are people who honestly think that all this just happened? Just happened. You know, that that somehow, you know, it just came into being. You know, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. When you really stop to analyze it, it's, it's, they call it the theory of evolution. That's all it is, is a theory. I have some facts up here that God is the one who initiated all of it. He's the one who planned it all. He's the one who made it all. He's the one who, who divided the land from the seas, the sky from the earth. He's the one who put all the, the animals and the creatures here. And then he once it was all perfect, then... He made man. He wanted to have his goodness in full demonstration before man ever laid I won on it. He wanted man to, to come to himself and look around and say, Wow, wow, look what God did 
God did all that just for me. Can you imagine? God put the whole creation in place, and he created one man to enjoy it. One man. And then he said, okay, now I'm going to create you a woman, a wife, and you can be fruitful and multiplied so everybody gets to enjoy it. Lots of people get to enjoy it. But see, that's where God started off showing himself good, was right there in the Garden of Eden. You know, and if you go to Psalm 33, verse 5, it says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And it's not just full of his goodness just, just for, his belief, for the believer. It's full of his goodness for everyone. You know, he intended his goodness to be demonstrated to everyone. Because whether you're born again or whether you're not born again, God is still good to you. He is still, he's going to be as good to, to the unbeliever as he possibly can be. He's so much better to us, even as believers, than we actually understand. We don't always see his goodness the way we ought to see his goodness. But, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure that all of you can think back to things that have happened you know, in your lives over the years before you were born again and maybe if you were backslidden like I was for a number of years, you know, and you see things that happened and, and you just go, wow, that was, that was pretty intense. That, that was, whew, I was really lucky. No, you weren't just lucky. God was looking out for you. Every time I go back to see my, my, um, my GI doctor, you know, because I had colon cancer all those years ago. She'll, she'll look at the records and she'll go back. And she says this every time I see her. Thank goodness I don't see her, but every about five years now. But every time she'll look back at the records and she said, man, you are one lucky lady. And I went, no, I'm not. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed because God is good. You know, and I remember so many times, you know, things that happened in my life, two in particular, you know, driving, Pastor and I were driving um, my sister's brand new car up to Georgia. She, she loaned us her car for us to make this little trip, this little getaway trip, and a drunk driver ran us off the road, and we totaled her car. <laughs> was not great, you know, but if you had seen what happened, I mean, this is on a road in Georgia, steep banks right here. He ran us off, and, and we went down the side of this, into, into this culvert, gully, deep, deep thing. And fortunately, it had rained earlier, and it was like the mud just kind of sucked the car down instead of it doing this. And at the same time, we managed to hit a railroad crossing sign, you know, one of those things that are about, you know, this, this big square. And it broke off and was, and was trying to come in the window, you get out of something like that and you turn around and go, oh, my goodness. How, how, did, how did it keep from killing us? The goodness of God. Knocked all the glass out of the, every window in the car. We didn't have a scratch on us. We weren't serving God. And yet he protected us. And then I remember when I was driving over here from Jackson when my grandmother was, was uh, not doing well and and in fact, was was getting very bad shape, and my dad had called, and and so my sister and I and had gotten in our little VW bug, and we were on our way to from Jacksonville over here to, to Newberry, and I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with 235, and you're getting you know over halfway toward Newberry on the left hand side of the road. There's all these old lime rock pits. Well. You know, I'm trying to pass somebody, and somebody suddenly comes up over at me, and, and the only thing I can do is go left. I can't go right. I can only go left. And the, the car came to a stop, leaning up against an old farm fence that was nothing but a post and some wire. And it was as rotten as it could be. And on the other side was about a 40-foot drop into a lime rock pit full of water. To this day, I just go... Angels, angels, God in his goodness was protecting my life. He was seeing something down the road that the enemy was trying to stop. Even though I wasn't serving him like I ought to at the time, the goodness of God protected my life. You know, and so for me at least, having finally gotten into, into the word, the word, a word of faith church, where people talked about how good God was all the time, was an eye-opening experience. I mean, it was, it was truly like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. 
when you grow up with things, you know, when you see tragedies in, people, in people's lives and, and crisis comes and, and, and you hear phrases like, well, you never know, you know, what God's trying to teach you or God needed another little angel for his garden in heaven. I'm going, why? I mean, you know, what, he's, I mean, what would he need another little angel or a little, little flower in his garden? She's not a flower to start with. You know, my little 10-year-old mind was, couldn't comprehend all that nonsense. But I found out God was good. And to me, that's been as important a revelation as anything, that God is good, and he's always good, and he wants nothing but good for me, that he never initiates anything that's not good. Now, in the middle of the bad, he can make something good out of it. But he never initiates that. To find out that in the verse, John 10.10 had been there all the time, was like, Whoa, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Huge. And there it was in black and white all the years of my life, and somehow nobody had ever pointed that out to me. I was, I was just, wow, at, at that. So, so, you know, when... When somebody asks you, why do good th- bad things happen to good people? You've got an answer for them. But, you know, you have to go back to the fact that whether a person is good or bad by the world's standards has no bearing on God's goodness. Has no, has no bearing on it at all. God's not good according to our goodness. He's not good according to our badness. What we do or we don't do has no effect on whether he's good or not. Has no effect on his goodness and his ability to be good. The character and the very nature of him is always good. And it's a good thing because you know what? You and I are not good all the time. The only person you can say who is good all the time is God. The rest of us, we got our moments. We got them. Some days we're good. But you know what? Honestly, I'm not sure on my, on my scale of good and not so good which one would win out. Some days I know which way it goes. Some days I know which way I'd like it to go. You know, but, but it has nothing to do with how good man is. Nothing. That's why you can't come to God on the basis of your goodness. You know, you, you see it all the time in the world when, when somebody has died, you know, a, a famous person has died and, and people put something, you know, up, you know, about, oh, rest in peace, you know, and I'm thinking, if they're not in heaven, they are not in peace and never will be. Oh, he was a good man. He did all these wonderful things. I mean, he was a philanthropist and he, he gave, like I just saw recently where Kirk Douglas was, what is it, 103 and he died and he left a $67 million fortune to some kind of charity foundation or something. Everybody's going, oh, how good he was. I'm going, that did not get him into heaven. It has nothing, being good has nothing to do with salvation. It all has to be based on the goodness of God. And what Jesus has done for us. So that goodness, the goodness of man concept just has to be thrown out the window when you talk about the goodness of God, because that's where it all starts. You know, um, in Psalm eight, you know, you know the, the psalmist was talking about what is man that you are mindful of him. When you stop and you think about the goodness of God, and you wonder to yourself, God. Why is man so important enough that you would be that good to us as men, as near men? Why would you be that good to us? Because he's just that good. You know, I, you, you can't, really, can't really explain it any other way. He said it's just, he's just that good. Um, I found um, a verse that, um, that was talked about in um, Isaiah. I, the, the prophet Isaiah was, going, was saying, Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he goes on and he says, But my, mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The Knox translation of that phrase, that last phrase, says, Yet these eyes have looked upon their King. You know, when you, when you stop and you think about it, who are we? We're, we're people just in and of ourselves, people of unclean lips, people who have nothing to offer, nothing to give, and yet our eyes have looked upon the King. And because we've looked upon the king, we are now recipients 
of his goodness. Hallelujah. And when you, you see the word good so many places, there's a Greek word for, for the word good and uh, goodness that really talks about something that brings you uh, being good in character and constitution and it's beneficial in its effect. Can you say God's goodness has been beneficial in its effect? You can say God's good all the time, but if you don't have an experience of of seeing that goodness at work in your life, then what good is it? But see, God's goodness is of the kind that not only denotes his nature, but it's beneficial in its effect. Why do I know that? Because in Psalm 104, verse 28, it says, You open your hand, they are filled with good. The Amplified says, with good things. You ever heard that commercial? You're in good hands with all state. This is God. You're in good hands with God. You open your hand and it's filled with good things. But it doesn't, he doesn't intend for it to stay in his hand. He intends for it to be falling and spilling out all over his children. Just, just spilling out, just going everywhere. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, everything you experience, you, know, you see the hand of God. The goodness that comes out of his hand is on every part of your life and you just marvel at it and go, Wow. That's so wonderful, and it is wonderful. Hallelujah. Um, Psalm 145, verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all. Again, he's good to even the unbelievers. They just don't recognize it. They don't see it. God has a plan for everyone. He's got a plan for their lives, and he knows the enemy doesn't want that plan to be fulfilled, and yet God is doing all he can to show himself good and show himself good, and show himself good until somebody finally, you know, realizes their need of the Savior and comes to him, and then they get to experience that good totally. Psalm 34, verse 8. Let's go over there. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, verse 8. Well, that's just because it's so good. Let me just start in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that part of goodness? He delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Can you, I, can see the, I can see the psalmist David saying that this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. This poor girl right here cried and the Lord heard her. Isn't that great? The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. I tell you what, you have to taste the goodness of God for yourself. It's not enough for me to tell you how good God is. You've got to taste it and see for yourself just how good God is. It's, it's, it's sad when you, when you tell people about how good God is and they, well, you know, I don't really, I'm not really interested you know, you're trying to share with them about Jesus, and, and they're just not interested. Why? Because they've never really tasted the goodness of God. You know, when you're, when you're, um, I mean, I like all the cooking shows. I, I, I really do. Master Chef, you know, um, Top Chef. I mean, there's all kinds of cooking shows. Pastor goes, I don't know why you watch all this, because you don't cook that much anymore. You know, and, and a lot of the stuff that they cook, I wouldn't touch. You know, I'm sorry, I probably wouldn't, you know. But, but I watch these shows and I watch the judges, particularly Master Chef. Anybody like Master Chef besides me? I love Master Chef. Anyway, you got all these, all these, these, ju- these three judges up there, and they're tasting all these, these, the food these contestants put up there, and they're talking about acidity, and they're talking about flavor, and they're talking about balance, and they're talking about texture, and they're talking about all of this. They have a developed palate. Me, I'm just a meat and potatoes girl. I'm sorry. You know, but I'm thinking, how did they get like that? Because they kept tasting. How do you and I get a developed palate for the things of God? 
by tasting over and over and over and over again. I didn't know that Jesus came and died for my sicknesses and my prosperity and my deliverance from fear and from all the other things that go with it. I didn't know all those things. I just had only tasted of what I thought was salvation. And the only thing I knew in that was getting to heaven. That's the only taste I had for many years. It was just a taste of going to heaven. And one day, somebody introduced me to a new diet. And the new diet said, there's healing on the table. Try it. There's supply on the table. Try it. There's victory on the table. Try it. There's deliverance on the table. Try it. There's protection on the table. Try it. And when you tried it and you found out, this is good. Oh, this is good. You ever seen somebody who enjoys their food? Mmm. 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 Oh, oh my. And they'll say almost sometimes that that food is like, it's like a spiritual experience. It's so good. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking of a cheesecake back there, aren't I, Rebecca? Yes. <laughs> you get a hold of something that is just so incredibly good. You just, even these judges on Top Chef, I'll see them ever so often, and they'll taste something and go, oh, oh, oh my. And they'll take a spoon out, especially the Top Chef Australia people, and they'll take a spoon out and go, that's how good it was. Listen, when we find out good taste of the things that God has provided for us, we all be going, yeah, 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 yeah. That can be translated out to a nice run around the church. It can be translated out to shouting hallelujah. It can be translated out into dancing all over the place. It can be, it can be translated a whole lot of ways. But so, woo! <laughs> when you taste and see how good God is, you got to do something. I mean, it ought to be shining all over you. It ought to be just, ooh, man, that's so good. Oh, mm, yes. Give me some more. Give me some more. I want more. And you see, God's not put us on a restricted diet of anything that he's got. He wants you to get full of his goodness in every area of your life. He wants you full of it. He wants you so full that you can't hardly move anymore. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Woo! When I found out how good God was, I began to think of all the sermons I'd heard as a kid growing up and in my teenager's years that were just hellfire and brimstone. And they thought that's how you got somebody. Now listen, hell is real. Heaven is real. There's a reality of hell that we need to, to communicate to people. It's a place you don't want to go. You don't want to go there. But I'm telling you what, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Because as a kid, I got saved over and over and over again because somebody scared the hellfire and brimstone out of me. Listen, when, when that's the only reason somebody turns their life over to God, I don't know how well they're going to work. Because after a while, they're going to lose any sense of, is that really real? You know, I mean... Is, is that something I really should really be concerned about? I mean, oh, that's just so much. But I'm telling you what, when you realize how good God is, why would you not stick with him? It says the goodness of God leads me to repentance. That repentance means, means to change, to turn. I mean, I, when I found out how good God really is to me, after I was already born again, but not really in the place I ought to be. When I found out how good God was, was it was just like, why would you not serve him? Why would you not do everything? I mean, going hard after him, repenting and going back toward him, just as hard and as fast as you can go because he's just so good. And the more I encounter his goodness, the gooder he is to me. 
there is, there is an element of God's goodness that is so big that you and I have yet to understand or fathom the depth of that goodness. I don't know that we will ever really get to a place where we really, really, really understand his goodness until we get to heaven. But he's willing to show you every single day a new measure of his goodness. Every single day, he'll show you something new, show you something deeper, something higher, something better, more, more. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? And I understand that sometimes people have a problem understanding the heart of God the Father because their natural father was not maybe a very good example of a loving father. You know, that's where in the last few weeks we've talked about about the battle of the mind and who you are in Christ and old things are passed away and all things have become new. And if, and if you didn't have that kind of a natural experience of, of a good father, naturally speaking, some people do, thankfully, they do, and, but some don't. But you have to get into the Word and you have to begin to experience and begin to see how good the Father God really is. And let Him demonstrate that goodness to you over again. But how much more? You just being a natural person, you love your children, you give them everything that you possibly can, but how much more will our Father give to us? How much more will he demonstrate his goodness toward us? We can't even begin to to understand the how much more. We just can't. Because it's, it's, it's so incredibly, you hate to word, use the word large, but you're kind of left at a loss for words sometimes about how to describe the capacity of God to be good. And he is just that. He is so good to us. Hallelujah. Um, you know, in, the, in, in Luke 15, that the prodigal son, you don't have to turn there, but the prodigal son, when he had gone away from his father and he had spent all of his money, he was, he was eating the pig's food. He, and he, and he came, came to himself and he decided, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home because my father's servants, you know, I, I, I could be a servant. I could just be a servant. And his, my father's servants are treated so much better than what I'm currently experiencing. I'll just go home. And, and his capacity to understand how good his father was when his father just came running to him and grabbed him and hugged him and said, kill the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on him. He just, it, was, it was just overwhelming. You know, if we just stop and begin to contemplate how good God is to us, it, it should be overwhelming, just overwhelming. You are where you are today in the family of God because of his goodness. For us young people, maybe you haven't lived long enough to, to be able to say where I might have been. Some of the rest of us who are older, you know, we can look back on our lives and we could say, had it not been for the goodness of God, had he not been drawing me back, using his goodness to draw me back in, to draw me to himself, to, to show me the love that he has for me. He uses people. You know, my life would be so different. I wouldn't be where I am today. I mean, just, just, just the fact that you're in fellowship with God right this minute is something to be blessed over. It's something that we ought to look at and go, Father, just thank you. If there was nothing else except just to be called your child, I just thank you. If that's all it was, was just, just to know that I'm going to heaven, that's good. That's just, that, that's just marvelous. It's, it's my capacity to, to, to tell you how good that is and how much I appreciate it. It's just small. And so we see a picture of God's goodness, you know, to us 
you know, with the story of the prodigal son, you know, verse Psalm 34, 10 says, they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You shall not. But it it does say that those that seek the Lord. See, God has got his goodness and his goodness is available. It's not going to just fall on you, though. Just like the person who's got to taste it for themselves. You know, you seek the Lord and you experience. You open the portals of goodness, let's say. You, you open up this, this whole new atmosphere of goodness that, that you can just walk into. But you have to go after those things. How many believers do you and I both know that are, I mean, they love God, but they don't know the things that you know about his goodness. They don't know the aspects of his goodness that you know. Until somebody tells them, they can't go seeking after it. Now you say, well, they've got their Bible. They could read it. They but you know what? When their understanding has been has been tainted, I hate to use that word, but it's really all I can use. When their understanding has been tainted or affected by traditions of men and, and doctrines that are wrong, just like I was, they will never seek after the goodness of God as exhibited in healing, as exhibited in God supplying all my financial needs, as in God sending me the right spouse, in God helping me raise my children, in God doing anything. They, they won't know that they can, they can seek him. They won't. And I'm telling you, when you start seeking God on these things, no good thing, no good thing will he withhold. No good thing. It's all yours. It's not a question of, of mother may I kind of a thing. It's just, Father, I thank you that goodness is mine. It has your name on it already. That goodness is mine. It belongs to me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for that. Hallelujah. In Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Says the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives light. It's a source that then that light is a source of growth. It's a source of protection. A sun and a shield. Nothing with this. Nothing in this on this whole planet would be here if it wasn't for the sun. There's nothing that would be here of any importance without the light of God. He is the light. The Word is the light. And, oh, thank goodness he protects us. Hallelujah. James 1, 7. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variation, no shadow of turning. God's not going to change his mind tomorrow about being good. He made up his mind to be good long before he even created man. Before the first man ever roamed the earth. He had already made up his mind. He had made a decision to be good. And just the creation, like I said earlier, was just a demonstration of his goodness. Psalm 68, verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Daily. Daily. There are daily benefits that come into our lives, you know, and and we we need to we need to look for them. Be aware of them. You know, sometimes we can get to the place where we, we begin to take his his goodness for granted. And we're not thankful like we ought to be. You know, we need to recognize the demonstrations of his goodness in our life. Small, large, in between. We need to expect his goodness on every level. You know, you can, you can call that favor. You know, we've talked in the past about fa- the favor of God that's, when it's at work in our lives. But, you know, favor is a result of his goodness. You know, we need to expect that, that every single day, everywhere we go, a store, you know, a, you know, a doctor's office, a, you know, a bank, you know, with, with people, anywhere and everywhere on the job, expect favor. That's a demonstration of God's goodness to you. Don't take things for granted and, and don't take credit for what really is an aspect of God's goodness. It ain't you, honey. It just ain't you. You know, sometimes we, we just, you know, we kind of think sometimes that it's, you know, 
just because we did so-and-so. No, it's because God's good. It's God's good. You know, we, we take ourselves a little too seriously sometimes. We really do. Sometimes we take credit for things that we should be giving credit to God for. And sometimes we work much too hard at things thinking that we have to put, well, we do have to put effort into things. I mean, for the people who are in school, if you don't study, you don't pass. You know, you got to put something in there, you know, for God to work with here. But, but really, God's goodness is what puts us over. And if we'll look to his goodness, we won't get so stressed. We won't push so hard. We won't try our, our hardest to make things happen when you just settle into the fact that God is so good, this is, is going to work out for my benefit. Whatever the situation might be, God's goodness is at work in my life. God's goodness is at work in my life. God's goodness is at work in my life. I mean, you, you, you have to see that. Not how much you can do, how much you can accomplish in and of yourself. It's not just you. We're in a partnership with God, but I'm telling you what, the partnership is bigger on his side than it is on our side. He's putting a whole lot more into this thing than we are. But he still expects us to do some, some of those things. Um, where am I here? Uh, Psalm 103, verse 2. We know this. And you're, I think you may be still in Psalm. But I tell you what, this is such a, such a great place to go on a regular basis. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, all that is within me. Don't give it just a surface acknowledgement, but with all that is within you, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeemed your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, there's that mouth business. My mouth is tasting and seeing, developing your spiritual palate to understand and to recognize and to discern the goodness of God in every area. Uh, the Amplified Version of verse 5, it says, your necessity, who said it said where that word satisfies is your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation. He satisfies your mouth with good things. At the, your necessity and desire, I love it, at your personal age and situation. No matter what your age is, God is there to satisfy your mouth with good things. Good things. You know, your taste may, may be a little different. I mean, I remember the day I wouldn't touch broccoli. I'll eat broccoli now. I'm not crazy about it, but I'll eat it. God, I, God wants you to develop a taste for all the things he has. Don't look at anything as being, eh, I don't really like that a whole lot. Listen, God loves us enough. Well, maybe I won't, I won't go there just, just yet. Maybe, maybe I will too. God loves us enough that he put scripture in the Bible for reproof, rebuke, and correction. A good parent trains their children. And sometimes that training is not always pleasant to the trainee. In our case, it's the same. It doesn't seem pleasant. But as a parent, you're doing it for the good of your child and their future. You want them to be a successful adult. God wants you to be a successful believer. And in training you, your flesh, what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, your flesh will not always appreciate it. But you have to learn to eat the broccoli as well as the cheesecake. And there are days when you need more broccoli than you need cheesecake. 
Most days, you need more broccoli than you do cheesecake. But see, God's word is, is for all of these areas because he's good. He loves you enough. His goodness is so abundant that he wants you to be the, the very best you can be. And the potential is there, but you've got to eat the right things. So when, you know, my toes have gotten stepped on a good deal lately, you know, anybody else has some sore toes besides me? Yeah, okay, that's good. But he's doing it for your benefit. He's doing it out of his goodness. He's doing it because he wants you to be raised up to a new place, a new level, a new dimension in the things of God. And you can't go there. You're not, you're not grown enough to get to that place without the nourishment that you need from those scriptures that sound like reproof, rebuke, or correction. It'll help you. You need to look at those kind of things as they're good for me. It may not seem like it. I may not like this, but I can develop a taste for correction. Do you know you can? When, when I see these, these guys on TV and they, and they eat some of the stuff they eat, I'm just going, I don't understand that. Christopher Allen puts pictures up of stuff that he eats, and I'm going, oh, my Lord, no. We as believers shouldn't be like that about any scripture or anything that's spoken from a pulpit. When it, when it brings correction, don't go, mm, no, I ain't having none of that. You, you limited your ability to grow. When we don't eat the right things, when we don't willingly consume the right things, and see, he's expecting us to willingly consume these things, we limit our ability to grow in an area that's vital. We limit that. Hallelujah. Oh, we're getting close to having, we'll have, I'm stop. Um, let me just kind of run through here. You know, Jesus was a perfect example of the goodness of God. You know, you find in Acts 10, 38, it talks about Jesus who went about doing good, healing all. I mean, you see, you see God, God's demonstrating his goodness through Jesus and, and, and all the things he did, all the miracles he did. You know, the one that stood out to me was over in Luke where they were coming out of the city and there was a funeral procession going by and it was the only son of a widow woman. And Jesus took the time to stop and raise the, the young man up and give him back to his mother. Just, I mean, the heart of God is to always be showing his goodness. You know, and in doing so, you know, we, what we find out is we need to be a demonstration of the same goodness. You know, you find over in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is listed, and goodness is one of them. Just like he's put the, his faith on the inside of us, he has put his goodness on the inside of us. It's there, and it's up to us to take the goodness, that aspect of God that he's put in our recreated human spirit, we need for us to take that aspect of God. It is a godly characteristic. It's a godly part of the nature that we now have. We need to take that goodness and we need to enable it to be demonstrated to the people that we're around all the time. You have to become an instrument of his goodness. Everywhere you go, everything you do, is it good? When we get our understanding of that, then it will impact the way we talk. It'll impact our actions. It'll impact our attitudes. When we understand that God has been so good to us, there is a verse, and let me see, where was it? Um, 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 um. That talked about, I can't find it right now in the midst of all this, that talked about how we judge other people that we basically are despising his goodness. That we're counting his goodness as nothing. Because, you know, it's easy for us to say, oh, thank you, Lord, you've been so good to me. But sometimes 
when it comes to other people, we want to judge other people not understanding he's been the same good to them that he's been to you. They may not be being, having the best day ever, but it's not up to you to judge them because when you do that, you basically are saying God's goodness is not, not enough for you. Don't do that. So when you understand God's goodness is now part of you, you begin to act like God's goodness. Amen. Um, <laughs> don't be jealous of the good things you see in somebody else's life. When you see good things happening in somebody else's life, don't be jealous. Praise God for it. Thank God for it. And know that the goodness that they're experiencing is the same goodness that that is coming my way. To be jealous of the good things in somebody else's life cuts you off from God putting good things in yours. It cuts you off. So you have to keep your attitude straight. When you see God just, I mean, I've seen the time over the years where people got offended that somebody else got a new car. Well, I didn't get a new car. How did they get a new car? They can't afford a new car. Why did God bless them with a new car? Especially if you hear somebody gave them a car. Well, well, somebody gave them a car? Why hasn't anybody given me a car? I'm better than they are. I mean, I come to church more often than they do. I bet you I'm a bigger tither than they are. I bet you I serve more than they do. Oh, you've cut yourself off. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Don't ever, ever, ever be jealous of what somebody else has. You're just on your way to the same thing if you keep your heart right. God's got the same kind of good things in store for you that he has for them. You might want to look, at, look around and say, what did they do? What did they do? Did they plant some extra seed somewhere? Did they just have a thankful heart? You know, we can get too caught up in, in life and go, and, and just all we can focus on is things that are going wrong. Got to stop it. You got to stop it. When, you, when you're looking at it and, and, you, and it seems like all you can see is everything that's wrong in your life, that's when you stop. That's when you go back to forget not all his benefits. That's where you have to go back and you have to pull yourself back into a place where you, where you say, God has been and is so good to me. I cannot keep my focus on the things that the devil's trying to do because God is bigger than that. You know, in the Old Testament, when God had, been, had shown himself, you know, big in the life's, life of the, of the Jews, they would stop sometimes and, and make a memorial. They'd make an altar somewhere. So that any time they came back by, they'd see that and remember, this is what God did for me right here. Sometimes you need, to, you need to write some things down and keep it somewhere so that when you're having a bad day and everything looks like it's crashing in and, oh, woe is me, is, is the words out of your mouth, you need to go back and you need to pick that list up and take a look at it and go, he did this, 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 he did this. He did this. Why am I so downed? How could I possibly be so down when I can look back and see all this? And this is just what he's done in the past. And he's intended to do much more than this in the future. And he wants to do this right now. He wants to put me over in this right now. You got to stop that. I found myself in the same place many times where all I could see what was, what was wrong. I, I, could, I couldn't see, you know, I, I, I couldn't because I wouldn't. It wasn't a matter of couldn't. It was just wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get a hold of myself long enough to say, you stop that right now. You stop it. You see what God's word has said. You see how good God has been to you. He hasn't decided not to be good. So you get yourself together. Get your act together. Stop it. It's a lot of nonsense. We need to start doing that. There, no, there, there really shouldn't be any reason for us to come in here with a downcast face. Now, I'm talking to myself, too, because I have my, I, you know, there are times where I come in and I've just got things on my mind and, and I just can't seem to just put it aside. But you know what? There is no reason for the child of God to come in with a depressed look on their face. Not when you understand how good God is. Not when you understand how good God has been to you. It is personal. It's not a concept. It is a personal thing that God has been good to me. And you have to make it personal. 
You have to take it personally. It's not just a concept, it's a fact. It's an absolute fact. Um, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Being aware of his goodness, being thankful for his goodness, never taking his goodness for granted, sharing his goodness, and being an agent of his goodness. That's where we'll leave it for tonight. Because God is a good God. You know, I will will do this. Psalm 23. How does it end? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When you're having a bad day, you need to go to Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but I need it today. I need to understand today. Surely goodness and mercy is following me. And when you know about the blessings of the Lord, that they overtake you, they come and they'll run you down. Let the goodness of God overtake you, run you down, jump on you, hug you, bear hug and all. It's the goodness of God surrounding me today. In everything I do and everywhere I go, his goodness, surely goodness and mercy is mine. Hallelujah. Stop and take a moment to rehearse his goodness, knowing that he's a good, good God. All the time, all the time, all the time. Sing it to yourself. Say it to yourself. Post it on the mirror. Whatever you have to do. Make yourself a list of all the things God has done for you. And go back and get it out when it seems like, oh, God, it's a bad, I'm having a bad day. Nope. No, I'm not having a bad day. I'm having a good day because God is good. I'm having a good day because God's goodness is evident in my life. I'm having a good day because God's goodness is toward me. I'm having a good day because His goodness belongs to me. I'm having a good day because goodness, 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 goodness. My goodness, it's good. Dance, sing, shout, run, whatever it takes to let the devil know you understand God is good, my God is good, and every good and perfect thing comes my way. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.